Hello, Unexplained Ones. We had some technical difficulties during the live broadcast of this show with Dr. Lou and friends, so you may notice some disruptions in audio quality. Thanks for your patience. We appreciate all of you. Previously on All Things Unexplained. All right, Tim, coming your way. What is your number two? Okay, my number two is from 1983. Put me from the clock, but... Listen, it's from 1983. I have a classic clip here, and we'll see if anybody can identify it. I have confidence in Dr. Liz, so we'll see. <laughs> Dr. Jonathan Chase. Wealthy, young, handsome. A man with the brightest of futures. A man with the darkest of pasts. From Africa's deepest recesses to the rarefied peaks of Tibet, heir to his father's legacy and the world's darkest mystery. My son, you must have faith and learn. This is not the end. This is the beginning. <laughs> Jonathan Chase, master of the secrets that divide man from animal. Animal from man. Manimal. Oh, oh. <laughs> Manimal. <laughs> That's right. Master of the secrets that divide man from animal, animal from man. He's a manimal, of course. Don't confuse that with thinking he can only transform into a mammal. He could actually transform into any animal. It just so happened the budget mainly made him transform into a hawk and a black panther for some reason, because that was in the uh, <laughs> that was in the original episode where all the special effects went into. It only went on for eight episodes turns out it was really super popular in france and guess what y'all they're actually planning a remake of manimal starring will ferrell <laughs> and i'm not making that up i'm not making that up wow. well that will be fun all things unexplained hosted by Dr. Mounts? Let's face it, we were always ready to roll without him anyway. <laughs> CJ Derringer. Ain't nobody perfect, right? And Smitty Neves. I've never planned out hardly anything my whole life. I just free ball. Featuring Cajun Man. Oh, I'm just old nobody, somebody looking for somebody. Number three, best sci-fi, Sarah Cotton. So I went with all three, all three of mine are TV shows. And to start off with, we're going to go with Sequest DSV. I don't know if you have watched that or not. Yes. I was obsessed in high school, um, starring Jonathan Brandis. He was like a smart, one of those like super smart kids. And he made this device that he put on the dolphin and he could like translate the dolphins like chirping into actual talk like into actual words um the show i will like i watched it every day i get home from high school and i like watched the like whatever the episode was that was like replaying on like whatever i don't even know what the channel was but it wasn't a regular like regular channel but that was my that's like my number three top show i was very obsessed with sequence as a kid Number three, best sci-fi, 
Dr. Charles Luton. My number three favorite is actually a trilogy starring Michael J. Fox. Yes. Back to the Future 1, Back to the Future 2, Back to the Future 3. Yes. Sci-fi and comedy actually put together in a way that was funny. Not to mention the 1.21 gigawatts. Mm. <laughs> Great Scott. Great Scott. Scott. <laughs> Those were great movies. Those were awesome. I grew up in California and Universal Studios was like in my backyard and they had a DeLorean out at Universal Studios and did a whole show about Back to the Future. I love it. I did really love those movies. That was a fun one. Number three, best sci-fi, Stacy Severn. My number three is Logan's Run. Does anybody remember Ooh. Logan's Run? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Starring yeah. Farrah Fox. That was it. And Michael York. And Jessica Lang. They had Carousel. Not Lang. They, 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 their hands lit up and flashed and they got out of the city and they saw their first old person and they were touching his face like, what are you? You're old. <laughs> it was great. Loved that one. They had the Ankh around their neck and the Ankh would let them out of the city. It would open the lock. Um, and there was a shopping mall actually in West Hartford, Connecticut that we used to call Logan's Run because it looked just like the movie Inside. So, so that is my number three. Wow. Cool. Oh, that's fun. And just one more, one more aside okay. about Logan's Run. Uh, seeing that movie as a kid and having Michael York bring this woman into his room and look at her and say, let's have sex. <laughs> <laughs> Just cracked me up. <laughs> that one stuck with you, huh? <laughs> that stuck with me. <laughs> oh. Yeah. There are things we hear sometimes that we just never forget. <laughs> Number three, best sci-fi, Dr. Mounts. Okay, my number three is from 1979. It has a very simple premise. The crew of a commercial spacecraft encounter a deadly life form after investigating an unknown transmission. CJ spoiled the tagline in our opener. In space, no one can hear you scream. And of course, I'm talking about Alien, the Alien franchise. But let's face it, I really just mean alien and aliens, plural, right? I don't really mean the rest of them. Starring Sigourney Weaver, it won an Oscar for Best Visual Effects. And get this, I thought this was pretty cool. And I've seen it so many times, I know this exact setting. The blue laser lights that were used in the alien ship's egg chamber were borrowed from The Who, the band The Who. So the band was testing out the yeah. So the band was testing out the lasers for their stage show in the sound stage next door. So they literally just borrowed them for the movie for Alien. Wow, that's amazing. Clearly, and by the way, we can probably all picture Captain Dallas. Captain Dallas, yes. Oh yeah, well, get this: Captain Dallas was almost Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford turned down the role 
of Captain Dallas and Alien. How much different would Alien have been with Harrison Ford? Straight Who to did my, take the role? I can't remember his name now. Uh, he was in it. Was it maybe Tom Skerritt? Might have been Tom Skerritt. But I can totally wow. see. But really, Scott, of course, directed Alien. And he cited three influences, which are going to be familiar to us in, in this show tonight. His three major influences for Alien was Star Wars, the prequels. No, I'm kidding. Episode four, <laughs> A New Hope <laughs> from 1977, 2001 A Space Odyssey from 1968, and The Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974. <laughs> One of these three wow. does not like the other. <laughs> <laughs> Well, apparently that batch. one inspired him for its treatment of yeah. horror, and and of course, Alien is very much a, as I, I told CJ one time, very much a, a sci-fi horror movie for sure. Number two best sci-fi, Sarah Cotton. Okay, so going with the TV show theme, my number two favorite is the Battlestar Galactica 2004 series. And the reason why it's number two and not number one, because I do think BSG was excellent, is that I didn't feel like it stuck the landing. So it got mm. bumped down a notch <laughs> to number two. But I very much the, enjoyed the, that series. Didn't is stick overall. the landing, huh? Didn't stick the landing. The, but it had a really good homage to the original. It, the series finale felt a little um, heavy-handed for the writers. They did a really good job being very allegorical, I felt, throughout the entire series until the last season. And the finale itself, I felt, was very... if you, It was very much like, hey, if you didn't pick this up the whole time, we're now going to hit you over the head with what imagery we were trying to portray the whole time. Sarah, let's go... Tell us about the original, because the original was, like, formative in my very young youth. It was amazing. Commander Adama. I've actually not really seen... I've never seen the original. Not really. I've watched a handful of episodes here and there. It only lasted for a season. Um, But I thought that that they did a good job, like, homaging back to the original with, like, the Cylons. And they had some of the original cast back in different roles. Um... But the remake is superior. Sorry, Chuck. <laughs> I, you might be right. You may be right. And and, and by the way, uh, Battlestar Galactica had a sequel season called Galactica 1980, where they actually see oh. Earth, but they have to keep going because otherwise the Cylons would attack Earth. And so they had lots of interesting stuff there too. So anyway, I think I think you're right. The 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 next <laughs> series was better, but the the first series was my youth. It, it had its moments, for sure. Number two, best sci-fi, Dr. Charles Lee. I was going to pick the first two Terminator movies as my top two. <laughs> uh, num- because the, the number... <laughs> they were just so good, right? And, and Terminator 2, of course, is one of the very few sequels in the history of movie making that's actually as good, in my opinion, as the original. But... I realized just before the show that what's really number two in my mind is Dune. Not the Timothy Chalamet thing that came out just recently. 
and not even the 1980, what, five was it? 84 thing that, 84, I think it 1984, was. 1984, yeah. I just yeah, watched starting, that one on your behalf. Yeah, Kyle MacLachlan. You're changing yeah, it on me and now. Stuff, right? <laughs> and a young Patrick Stewart as Gurney Halleck. Um, but it turns out that that movie, 1984 Dune, it was hacked and slashed on the editing floor because it had gotten so long and so uh, vast in its scope. Dino De Laurentiis had made such a huge movie that it had to be chopped down to two and a half hours. And so huge amounts of that movie was removed. And what happened was that in a, I read this in a bookstore a few uh, maybe months after the release of this movie, which I enjoyed, but I didn't realize that there was so much missing because I hadn't read the book yet. And Frank Herbert himself actually said, you know what? Turns out that this movie was actually pretty good. I kind of liked it as it was originally filmed. Once it was chopped up and put into the, into the theaters, then it lost so much. So Frank Herbert said that this was okay. So it's like, oh man, if only the director's cut would come up someday if someday we could see this whole thing and it did it came out but not in the movie theaters it came out on wgn chicago oh wow in two parts two <laughs> hours on tv and it was it was three you know it was three hours and some minutes excluding commercials but it was a total of a two two hour event and i watched it on television and that two-parter of dune by Frank Herbert, original from 1984, with the original director's cut by Dino De Laurentiis. That has got to be the number two best of all time. Sci-fi is really, really good. But you know, of course it was on a TV, yeah. so it's like me. Eh. It's amazing that it came out on WGN. <laughs> Do y'all remember Mystery Science Theater? Yes. MST3K. Yeah. Yes, with the yeah. the two robots and the dude watching the sci-fi movies, right? So, yeah. I yeah. tell you what, <laughs> that was so funny. It was it was great, and I would have paid money to watch Harry Carey watch Dune on WGN. <laughs> that would have been amazing. <laughs> Let me hear you. The one. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Holy cow. Uh, can't, can't forget the soundtrack so by I Toto. So I to admit. Toto, yes. I um, Was Africa in there, though? I don't I think they put Africa in the movie. Africa in the movie. In Dune? Toto. Didn't Toto do Africa? Toto did Africa, and Toto I, did the you, Dune I'm soundtrack. So lost, but Africa did not in the Dune soundtrack, no. <laughs> does not rise above the Serengeti. You cannot see the Serengeti from Kilimanjaro. It's not possible. Oh my gosh. Okay, so before we did this show, I had agreed to watch one of Chuck's and Tim's top three films that I'd never seen because, again, my knowledge of sci-fi is not great. So they both sent me their number one, and I had seen both of their number ones. I couldn't even believe it. I was shocked. I was also a little impressed with myself. So I asked them to send me a few more so that I could 
delve into the world of sci-fi. So, Chuck, I attempted to watch Dune. Oh. For two nights, I attempted to watch Dune. <laughs> and I <laughs> couldn't stay awake. <laughs> I fell asleep both times. Same. That is probably nothing to do with Dune and more to do with the fact that I'm completely exhausted and this is why I don't watch shows to begin with because I just don't have time. And if I sit on the couch, it's night-night for me. But um, yeah, I, it was a little slow. I had a hard time getting yeah. past like, 45 minutes. <laughs> the, the, CJ, I have never stayed awake through a Dune movie. <laughs> through any Dune movie, right, Sarah? <laughs> None of them. I can't stay awake through any of them. <laughs> so, so just if you get a chance to, and, and you're well rested, and you get a chance to go through <laughs> the actual original Dune that Frank Herbert uh, in the three and a half hour director's cut. That's worth your shot. But I, I that's worth it. Okay. I give you props, DJ, for trying with the with the studio. I, I really tried. Me. Yeah. Yeah. There was a scene where some guys had like their ears sutured shut, maybe, and they were drawing blood from their bodies and putting it into some guy's face. And I was like, Yeah, this is sci-fi. This is this is it. Sci-fi. <laughs> I think it's officially what you would call dystopian sci-fi, CJ. <laughs> oh, but I was glad to watch it. I was expanding my horizons a bit. Number two best sci-fi, Stacy Seven. And number two has to be Firefly. Good one. Classic. Yeah, the Earth is kind of used up in these these um this very steampunk looking group of people is out in space um and uh they do some questionable things but they're really cool and badass and um and it, it's it's a great <laughs> series um and uh and it was very short-lived and and the fans got together and wanted more and i don't remember it was it crowdsourced or crowdfunded they made a movie it's still kind of big in my head it's been a while it wasn't mm. crowdfunded. Um, yeah. There was just like a big, it was called Can't Stop the Signal. And there was a big online movement. I was I was part of it because I was in the fandom at the time. So there's a big <laughs> online movement to like, like get another Yay. season. But they ended up getting a movie instead, which was very good. Serenity was, was at the movie. Good, right? Wow. Yeah, Serenity was the movie. Serenity, yeah. yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And every time I go to like a medical space facility, I think two by two. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. They are, yep. and yeah. and they use they use like 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 weapons from the old west, but they're in space. <laughs> yeah, and um, it like and like the, the world's two superpowers have like, like merged together. So there, that's a li- there's a little like Chinese Mandarin happening in places, and then like um, yeah. Like, American is happening in other places. It's it's an interesting melding of society at the time too. Yeah, they yeah. seem to swear You've in Mandarin me. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you had me at questionable decisions and cool and badass. I was like, wait, I that's what I want to be. Okay, I've got to be part of this. <laughs> <laughs> And every time I go into a medical right. facility, I think two by two hands of blue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for those of us who know the show, no, no. For those who know the show, no, know that line. Yeah. <laughs> Number two best sci-fi, 
Dr. Mounts. All right, number two, I had to go back to television here. And this television show was described as this. Few shows, apart from perhaps Game of Thrones and Breaking Bad, have had the level of popularity and fandom that this hit ABC drama received. Fan theorizing, intrigue, and anticipation helped evolve this show into one of the cornerstone shows in modern television history. I admit I was hooked on this band of survivors of a plane crash that are forced to work together in order to survive on a seemingly deserted tropical island. I think y'all probably know it, don't you? I'm sorry, I'm lost. That's it. <laughs> you did good. It is none other than Lost. It ran for six seasons from 2004 to 2010 for 117 total episodes. So, in my mind, this is like a mega movie, right? 117 hours of sci-fi directed by J.J. Abrams. It won 10 primetime Emmys. And here's an interesting fact about Lost, and I saw every episode. No character is in every episode. But for those of you that remember oh, Lost, which character do you think was in the most episodes? Daniel Day the bald guy. I heard two guesses. I didn't hear what CJ said. Said the bald guy. The bald guy. No, that that was Terry O'Quinn. But no, the character that was actually in the most episodes was Hugo Hurley Reyes. Oh, so Hurley was in yeah. the most, 107. And get this, Michael oh. Keaton was almost Jack. And Forrest Whitaker was almost Sawyer. Remember Sawyer? (laughs) Forrest Whitaker (laughs) was almost Sawyer. And Dan Damon Lindelof actually helped make the show Lost. And he actually took a souvenir with him, y'all. He took the hatch, if you remember the hatch, and it is now Mm -hmm. a coffee table in his office. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. It really is. That thing has to be worth a lot of money. CJ, you were talking about the ball guy, Terry O'Quinn, and he was apparently a very method-style <laughs> actor, right? He, like, he really got into his roles. And he would apparently walk 12 miles to the set, you know, to try to get in the right frame of mind. And there's even a story one day, he hitchhiked back from the set with the woman. Instead of bringing him back to his house, he brought her to her house to show her husband. That, that wouldn't be creepy at all. Would it? <laughs> well, people hitchhike a lot in Hawaii, actually. And that was filmed in Hawaii, so hitchhiking doesn't surprise me. That's just like what people do there, especially from the airport. Now, and of course, Lost, you know, had what became the most played lottery numbers of all time, 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, 42. Wow. And oh, really? CJ has, I heard, some personal connections to lost i know i felt so bad too i was like lost is my number one at the time like what lost i can't believe lost is your number one because number one i've seen it and number two i do have a lot of connections to that show my my aunt's sister was actually a producer on lost i've met some of the actors that were on lost i babysat for somebody who's a writer for lost and i could not stand the show because i think i knew too much about it but i I just felt like season number one was 
phenomenal. They did such an incredible job on season number one. And then I think that they never intended to make a season number two, but because they had so many fans, they just started creating random things to keep it going. And one of the writers even told me that the producers and the director of the show did not know how it was going to end. And the end is like that classic thing, right? Like, how is this going to end? Where are they? Are they in purgatory? What are they doing? But they didn't know. They were just writing to keep people watching. <laughs> so and I was so not a fan of the end. I admit, did did I did not appreciate the end. I felt a little, a little ripped well, off. Well, I think that the end was, was really... Um, Driven by the audience, that they just decided to do what they thought the most people would like in the end. And I just well, knew they, too much about the actors because my aunt sister had a lot to say about them. But they forgot to send yeah. me a poll. Then they did not <laughs> audience test me. <laughs> but I do think it was such an incredible concept that they got. It was so successful that they kept going longer than they should have. That's my take. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and that's and why Star Trek is so classic because they knew when to make an exit for Next Generation yeah. and Deep Space Nine Voyager. Mm -hmm. Gotta know when to exit, that's for sure. Number one best sci-fi, Sarah Cotton. This is this is a show that I feel like is often slept on and forgotten about, but it is Farscape. I don't know if you guys have seen Farscape, oh, yes. it's excellent. I don't know how you can go wrong. You've got living spaceships. You've got enemies to lovers. You've got Muppets and not like knockoff Muppets, <laughs> like Jim Henson Muppets. Excellent yes. show. Every inch of it was excellent at all times. I can't even think of a bad thing about it, except that the Sci-Fi Channel canceled it too early, but they did eventually make a like, like a mini series to wrap it up. So I approve. Did you say living spaceships? Yeah. Living spaceships, the Leviathans. They were these exactly? like giant spaceships that you live. They were just like like space whales. They were like space whales, and you lived inside of the space whale. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, and they had these little like um like like little mites that that lived inside the ship that would like go around like little they looked like like Roombas basically, and they would go around the ship and they would fix things, but they were like part of the ship. Like an immune yeah. system. Yeah, I highly recommend. I remember that. Number one, best sci-fi, Dr. Charles Liu. Everything Everywhere All at Once is too new. I, I couldn't use it. It's It's got to stick to the things that have happened in the past. I hope that's okay, everyone. Forgive me about that. I went for a TV show, and I wanted to do Babylon 5, but I resisted. I wanted to do Alien Nation. But I resisted. My favorite number one at this moment sci-fi television show is WandaVision. Yes. Ooh. Perfect blend. Perfect blend of <laughs> comics, magic, technology, and awesome identity metaphysics. I meant to We it. loved WandaVision. Yes. Tim has been trying to guess what your number one was for days now because I told him, I can't believe it. I've actually seen Chuck's number one as well. And so for, for days, Tim has been sending me text messages randomly. I'll wake up and it will be like, is it? And, you know, of course, I haven't seen any of these. I'm like, no, it's not. But you never guessed WandaVision, Tim. Well, 
<laughs> and of course... And you should know I watched that because you made me. <laughs> we did. We even did several episodes on WandaVision, right, on this show and, and covered a lot of the theories and, and came up with our own theories. And, and Chuck, you know, we still want to know where is freaking Mephisto at? Come on, because I promised everybody Mephisto was behind everything, and he never showed up. No, he didn't. But he probably will show up in the next Doctor Strange movie. Because at the very end, I, I think it's long enough down the past that we don't have to worry about this, right? About spoilers. The very last creature that shows up is Dormammu's niece, Clea, played by Charlize Theron, at the very, very end of the last end credits scene. And so if we're going to take Doctor Strange into those dread dimensions, like the dread dimension of Dormammu and things like that, we're going to see Mephisto in the next Doctor Strange movie. Sarah, you agree? I mean, you're, you're, you're more I steeped into this than I am. Yeah, I very much agree. I think we're going to see, I think it's going to be one of the big villains leading up to the like final phase six encounter with Kang the Conqueror. Yeah. We can only hope. And there is yeah. a rumor that there's going to be a Mephisto Halloween special. Ooh. Ooh. I'd yes. be interested in that. Yeah, sort of like they did with Werewolf by Night, right? So, right. so you said one of your favorite lines ever, dialogue, yeah. Mm -hmm. That end, The end scene, right, in WandaVision? Uh-huh. Uh, you are familiar with the paradox, the ship of Theseus in identity metaphysics. Naturally. The ship of Theseus <laughs> is an artifact in a museum. Over time, its planks of wood rot and are replaced with new planks. When no original plank remains, is it still the ship of Theseus? I can recite the whole thing. I do it about once a month at the dinner table. <laughs> and whoever else is there is like, okay, we're done, we're done, okay, okay. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great dialogue, okay? <laughs> It's my, it's my I love that. It's a good dialogue. <laughs> you know, I um, we spent so the weekend at Chuck's house once. Whenever Chuck talks about how he recites things at the dinner table, he does, in fact, do that in real life. Like, he actually does <laughs> recite things randomly at the dinner table. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. I love it. But that's yeah. probably how you learn things, right? Growing up is just saying them out loud over and over again until they stick. Well, do, does he relate them to things like at the table, like you asked for to pass the ham? And he's like, you know, speaking of this ham, it reminds me of a line from WandaVision. <laughs> oh, yeah. And like when they were cut, they were cutting a slice of cake and he was like, I would like one third pie, please. And I was like, what is happening? I'll tell you why this pie. We did see your... You had some fun pie day posts on Instagram yesterday. That was great. Was that yesterday? I think so. Yeah. If only yeah. this pie could also go on for infinity without ever repeating itself. That would be terrific. <laughs> A very good pie. Would solve world hunger, Indeed. Number one best sci-fi, Stacy Severn. You know, this is tough, man. You know, until you have to do it, you don't realize how tough this is. So I'm, I'm kind of cheating a little because my number one is, is, is a show, but specifically it's a tie because there are two episodes that I, I think are number one for me. Um, it's Doctor Who and the two episodes 
episodes mm-hmm. are The Doctor's Wife, which was written by Neil Gaiman, which is just such a beautiful mm-hmm. tender to me. Um, the, the TARDIS is anthropomorphized, and, and, and The Doctor's relationship with the TARDIS is as if it's a living being that he's in love with. And I just thought there was a lot of beauty in that. And and the other one is, um, it was called Vincent and the Doctor. And Vincent mm. Van Gogh is in it. And uh, and in it, not related to any of the sci-fi aspect, but I think it's why I like these two, it's just the human stories. Um, they take him to a museum where all of his work is exhibited and he hears what people have to say about his work and him as an artist and an incredible, beautiful human being. And it absolutely moves me to tears every time I see it. So, um, Doctor Who, two episodes, my number one. That, Boy, that was a great episode is beautiful. You don't have been to remember who the out, doctors so. were in those two episodes, do you? One was Matt Smith. The, the Van Gogh one was Matt Smith. Um, and I don't remember if the TARDIS was David Tennant or Matt Smith. No, it's the, Matt the, Smith. The, the TARDIS was, was called the Doctor of the like Who change every time? There's yeah, so so the doctor would regenerate from time to time, and and a new actor would come in and uh, play the role, which is pretty brilliant. <laughs> if you That's think a tough world to have. The original actor, the, the original actor died suddenly in season like for season one, and instead of like ending the show, they okay. had him regenerate to somebody else. Yeah, and they now now it's been the longest running go. sci-fi show I think of all time, right? I think so. Wait, it's still on? Yes. <laughs> Just about has to be the longest running. You know what? I was actually thinking about Doctor Who recently, and in my brain, it is one of my favorites, right? It easily could have been my number one. But then I got to thinking, is it really one of my favorites, or did I just not have any other television channel to turn it to? Like, I feel like the alternative was was Dallas, you know, or Dynasty. Yeah, I mean, I remember the whole thing about who shot JR. But I feel like <laughs> I had no other fun. choices, yeah. right? Like it was Doctor Who or Bust for me. <laughs> I just don't know anything about it. I feel, I feel lost on that one. Just check out some Doctor Who or Dallas. Okay, and you don't sold watch, it with that. With don't that. watch the old Dallas. <laughs> don't watch the old Doctor Who. Okay, you guys are gonna have to send me an email. Don't check this you. out. Get me into sci-fi. Number one, best sci-fi, Dr. Mounts. Tim, take us home. Take us home. Okay, I'll do it. But first, we do have a listener comment (laughs) here. (laughs) Sorry. Love that. From Alabama George. His favorite premise for a sci-fi show was Stargate Atlantis. Ooh. Just want to give Alabama George a shout-out. There were some good episodes of Stargate, both SG-1 and Atlantis, so... Good call, dude. My number one, and I had a, and I agree with Stacy. This was so difficult, but for me, it was so difficult to narrow it down to just one. And my number one is from 1988. I, I'm kind of like Dr. Lou. I think I have no modern top favorites in music or movies or television or anything else really, except shout out to Stranger Things, by the way, which was really close to making this list. But my number one overall is from 1988, which Stranger Things tries to emulate. Interestingly, the 80s is a movie 
the description says this, they influence our decisions without us knowing it. They numb our senses without us feeling it. They control our lives without us realizing it. They live. And it has never been more relevant than it is today. It's directed by none other than John Carpenter, starring Rowdy Roddy Piper. In case you didn't pick up on it, it is They Live from 1988. <laughs> and I happen to have a little little audio clip here, just a short line from Rowdy when he bursts into a bank and he realizes <laughs> who's looking at him so in the bank. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick <laughs> and I'm all awesome. <laughs> And I'm all out of bubblegum. <laughs> so they live is definitely over the top, y'all. But it it in the years since it has been out, it has transformed. It is now considered a cult classic to all. And not only that, but by many people, it's considered a prophetic masterpiece. And so essentially, Rowdy Roddy Piper, you know, he's a down his luck dude. And he, he, there's lots of homelessness. That's one of the things that has actually come to pass. You know, every major city now has a major homeless problem. And he finds these shades and he puts them on. He start, starts realizing all kinds of things. Like, he's surrounded by aliens and they just happen to pretty much be the elite upper class, right? Not only that, but he's getting brainwashed by the media, by the billboards all around him, by television. And... There are actually, and I'll go over a few of these real quick, several dystopic predictions that John Carpenter totally nailed and they lived and they just seemed so over the top at the time, like a consuming obsession with fame. That's totally taken over now, right? Like just look at TikTok. Infighting mm-hmm. among the same social class that's completely happening right now. Over-policing of the poor and disenfranchised was a major theme in They Live. Rampant homelessness and obsession with consumerism. Do you think our current society has an obsession with consumerism? Subliminal messaging through the media. That's self-explanatory. The use of labels to justify persecution was a theme in They Live. Advertising as a form of mind control. Look, if you don't think that's the case nowadays to a level never imagined by John Carpenter, I promise y'all something I say tonight, I'll be getting ads for it later on my cell phone. Okay, just because I said it. <laughs> a dismantling of the middle class. So when they live pretty much, it became they, you know, the haves and the have-nots, right? The upper class and basically the nothing class, right? And that's kind of uh, what's happening all around us as we speak too. Civilian space travel for the wealthy elite. John Carpenter imagined that in 1988 and they live, and you know what? It's reality now. It's not sci-fi. Civilian space travel for the wealthy elite. The depletion of Earth's atmosphere and massive rewards for selling one's soul. I'm not going to bring up the massive NIL deals of the UNC basketball team. I'm just going to leave it there. No. By the way, it does not have a happy, does not have a happy ending. And that oh, makes a classic sci-fi movie, in my opinion. They this live. is so funny to me. Tim went on that giant, like, 
trying to sell you on the movie because he was so afraid that I was going to hate it because this is the movie that I watched of his as they live. <laughs> You're trying oh. to convince us all to love it. <laughs> It was it was really good. I I really did enjoy it. One thing that you might not even know if you haven't watched it in a long time, because I watched it just a couple nights ago. There's a scene in the homeless camp when they're talking about everybody down on their luck, and one guy says, "Yeah, I hear they've got one of those really bad viruses out there in Texas. Everybody's getting <laughs> sick." <laughs> like, oh, yes, my gosh. another one. <laughs> yes. Oh, too real. And so I really did enjoy it. I thought it was, I thought it was funny. I thought it was entertaining. It was short, which was great. There was a really epically long fight scene in the middle of it that I could have done without, like just grotesquely long fight scene. It just never ended between <laughs> but, two guys. But other than that, I thought it was awesome. Thought that maybe it was heading in the direction of a love story. No. Mm-mm didn't happen which i thought was great it ends abruptly <laughs> don't it, need was, that. it was fun darth vader didn't need no love story rowdy rowdy piper didn't need no love story <laughs> <laughs> so the fight scene i'll tell you something interesting about that cj so they actually worked on that fight scene for a very long time and it was a brutal long five minute long fight scene in the movie and get this they really were fighting. They just agreed not to hit each other in the face or the groin, but fighting contact. That fight scene ah. went on forever. I mean, it just didn't. And then they would stop fighting, and then they would start fighting again. And I was like, okay, all right, cut this. Cut this out. <laughs> Other than that, it was fantastic. Well, you know, Roddy, Roddy, Roddy Piper, um, of course, being one of the original great professional wrestler stars, along with Hulk Hogan and uh, yeah, Randy Macho Man Savage and all those old original style people, you would expect nothing less. Uh, yes, right? true. Andre the Giant and uh, Andre the Giant, and you know what? Andre. And we know Andre the Giant from a movie, right, as well. A movie the Princess I, Bride. Ironically, I have not seen that movie. No! Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, Sorry, but I did see the Rowdy Roddy Piper. Nice. Seen the Princess Bride. But this They Live with Rowdy Roddy Piper began the trend of wrestlers going over into the movies. Mm-hmm. And now we have The Rock. All right, well, that's it. That rounds out our favorite and least favorite sci-fi movies and television shows. Chuck, Sarah, Stacy, we are so thankful that you guys joined us for our show and added a lot to those picks there. For those of you that are just tuning in at the end here, we are here with Dr. Lou. We call him Chuck. He is the host of the podcast, The Looniverse. He's got some fun stuff going on on his Instagram account. Where else can we find you, Chuck? Well, uh, pretty much wherever you get your podcast, The Looniverse is on. And you can, uh, I tweet at Chuck Lou, C-H-U-C-K-L-I-U. But go to at The Looniverse. It is very cool. And Stacy and Sarah are two of the great team members that make that channel come alive in all kinds of the media. Um, find it on TikTok. Find it on Twitter. Find it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Find it wherever you get your anything. 
just want to say thanks to all our guests tonight. Check out the Luniverse. Check out Dr. Lou's books, The Cosmos Explained. And you know what? We talked about sci-fi tonight, but we are living in sci-reality now. Sci-fi surrounds us. Scientific breakthroughs are everywhere. Just look up. Get off your phones. Look at the sky. Stay unexplained. We appreciate all of you. You've been listening to All Things Unexplained. If you liked this podcast, please do give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. If you would like to hear more All Things Unexplained, be sure to follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Our show depends on the support of listeners like you. Find us on Venmo under the business accounts at Bigfoot UFO. If you can't get enough of us, please check us out at allthings-unexplained.com. A special thanks to our producer, director, sound mixer, editor, and the man who wears far too many hats. No, seriously, he wears a lot of hats, Dr. Tim Mounts. Without you, we couldn't keep the lights on. Thanks for listening to All Things Unexplained. Good night, CJ. Good night, everybody. Good night, Chuck. Sarah. Good night. Stacy. Good night. Good night, John night. Boy. Thank you. <laughs> Good night, Sue Ellie. <laughs> night, <See> Grandpa. <laughs>